and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 122. My name is Brogan King, and I am joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And not Brian Prellman. Brian is off doing judge things, so I guess we'll give him a pass. I believe he is at uh, Grand Prix Tampa right now. Magic Fest Tampa. 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 Uh, well, I assume he's working the Grand Prix, but you're right. I just made a mistake. <laughs> um, he, he's uh, he's doing a relatively uh, local Grand Prix, so good for him. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to do this episode of JudgeCast. Woohoo! That that's pretty telling as far as when we are recording this episode. But uh, he's not working a Grand Prix on a Wednesday or something. But here we are, um, and we're here to um, do another listicle that uh, we're not BuzzFeed. We're just doing a very good BuzzFeed impression, Judge Feed. Um, oh, Judge Feed. <laughs> it's Judge Feed. It's BuzzFeed for judges. So I, I, need, I need to be a found up, found up, startup founder uh, and just name, name things. And that's my startup is naming other startups. That's a real thing. Is it already it? exists. Is it really? Yeah, there are websites you can go to where you where you like say I've got a thing and I need a name for it, and then a bunch of people make up names and you like give an award that you preset to the one that you choose. Oh, I don't like that. Why? Because they stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that you just had right now. Yes, um, <laughs> but our our judge feed. Uh, discussion for today is uh, top eight tips for running faster events. And I know that at least for me, if I'm running an event, I want to, I want it to run as smoothly and efficiently as possible. And there are some things that we can do to speed things along just a little bit that may be more applicable for you at your local game store. Maybe something you should take in mind uh, to to other events Accounts. that you're helping run. Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. Take two other events. You're, it sounded like you were stumbling on your on your mouth words there. My mouth words. Yes. Um. So let's let's go ahead and, and dive right in. Before we get started, though, I just want to say that um, uh, the the order on this is really more kind of based around the order of things that things happen in an event. Uh, so it's not, it's kind of based around the order things happen in an event. So it's not really uh, necessarily like top eight in the traditional sense. There's, uh, there's still, not going to be a number one most useful thing. I mean, so I actually think that the number one most useful thing is also number one when we get there. So we could still do it in that order. That, uh, that works out. So, uh, I'm excited about this topic. Uh, I was a, uh, if you're listening now and, and, and haven't been a long-time listener, you may not know, I was uh, a tournament organizer for many years at a large game store. Uh, so the topic of efficiency uh, with events is uh, it's a really big deal to me. So I'm really glad that we're doing this episode. Um, so yeah, let's just dive right in and get started. What is, uh, what is number one? Number one is... Something that you're going to want to do before the event, and that is actually prepping your your product, if it's um, whatever you need to distribute, anything like that, before the event, especially if it's a multi-set limited format. Um, we were actually discussing this before the show. I don't know when our last triple set um, limited format is, but if you're having to tear open three boxes of three different sets and carefully pull out one of each and try to juggle three boxes as you walk around the room and distribute packs. That is, that is wasting your time and the times of your players. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I find that it's really easy to prep ahead of time, uh, for both sealed and for draft. Uh, if you just take some boxes, uh, open them up and, just separate them uh, into the piles that you want, and then you can actually stack them back in the boxes in draft sets. 
Uh, so you just walk down next to a table and go, here's a dress set, here's a dress set, here's a dress set, here's a dress set to everybody at the table. Uh, or you just pass them out. And it goes much faster than having to, even if you're passing it out at the table, it goes much faster than having to pass, you know, here's two packs of, you know, Rivals of Ixalan. Right. Uh, and here's one pack of regular Ixalan. Please pass them down uh, if you just have them set to go. And I also, a, oh, go ahead. On a larger scale, if you are not wanting to have to individually pass things out, if you have your your uh, packs in units of, let's say, eight players, and you have a table of eight players, you can just dunk your product down on the table and, yeah. and yeah, let yeah. people grab your pre-made draft sets, too. One, one thing that uh, people will ask about this, and you're, if you have an organizer you're attached to, they may ask about this, is, well, what do I do if I've opened a box and now I have extra packs? Because I, I thought more people were going to show up than did. Uh, and the answer is, uh, well, you're going to have this draft format again next week. <laughs> this is so, not the last draft. So, yeah. So uh, unless it is the last draft, in which case, okay, sure, be a little more conservative with your estimate. But but if you a- end up opening a little more product, that's okay. You're going to use it uh, as long as you keep running draft events. Right. Um, I also want to point out we we uh, I realize now that we started on number one and we should have started on number eight. Oh no! Uh, uh, it's ruined forever. Um, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. So I, I'm I'm going to pretend that was number eight and that we said number eight. Uh, <laughs> this is what we get for not actually numbering our numbers. Yeah, it is actually exactly what we get. Well, how about Jess? If you want to talk about number seven, well, I just go tippity type in here our numbers. <laughs> uh, sure. Number seven. Yay. Uh, number seven is uh, doing efficiency with registration. Uh, and when I say registration, I don't necessarily mean paying for the event. Uh, most stores will where you'll be running an event, uh, will have their own method or own process for registering players. Uh, but they'll also have their own method uh, for getting those players registered into the software. Uh, so, so that second thing is usually where you can get some efficiency going. Now, sometimes if you have a really good setup, they're taking their money and putting them directly into the software and it's not a thing you need to worry about. But most setups are not like that. Most setups uh, usually involve like a piece of paper. So somebody's signing up, they're paying some money to play in the event, they're putting their name and maybe their DCI number down on a piece of paper. Uh, And one thing I consistently see people do at small stores is wait until that page has like a ton of people on it, especially at a pre-release, and then start putting all those people into Wizards Event Reporter at the last second. And then you see Jess in the background, like, shouting no in slow motion. Right. Well, because invariably what will happen is somebody will not have their DCI number, or their DCI number won't be right, or there's some connection issue with Wizards Event Reporter. Something's going to slow things down. If you had started that process 10 minutes sooner and just power through all the numbers you can right up to that point, uh, then when you do the last few at the very end, it's not going to be nearly as many. Now, let's say you've got a big sign-up sheet that, you, that you're having people sign up on. How do you take the sign-up sheet and, and register people while there are people still trying to put their name on the sign-up sheet? And the answer is, you have two sign-up sheets. And, <laughs> and, and no, I'm serious. No, That's a know, real it, question I've gotten. Yeah. And you've, you've got two sign-up sheets, and you put one out. And then when it gets to a certain point, you take it and put the other one out. And then all all the ones, all the names on the one that you took, you enter into Wizards of Airporter. And uh, and then you take a pen or a highlighter and you mark on that page where you stopped entering people. And then you switch it out with the other page and enter all the people on that page. And so on. Um, now, if you've only got, you know, 15 people signing up for, for your events... Uh, this is, you know, the efficiency gain here isn't going to be huge, 
But if you get into the habit, and this is true for a lot of the things we're talking about, if you get into the habit of doing this ahead of time, then when you have a pre-release that's really, really popular because it's, say, the last Ravnica set, uh, you <laughs> something that might be happening at some point, for example. Someday we might have a third Ravnica set. Um, when it's the last Ravnica set, people are going to show up. And when a lot of people show up, if you didn't expect it, if you didn't already have this plan in place or this habit for how to deal with it, um, that gets that that kind of thing becomes a bottleneck that you could have dealt with ahead of time. So it's an important thing to watch out for and get into the habit of, even if it doesn't seem like every event, it's a huge game. Right. It it, it adds up quickly, but it, it's especially useful when you are getting more people than you're used to getting. Right. Yeah, but that's true for a lot of efficiency things. Um, uh, if you let me go off on a, a, a slight tangent here, uh, if if you are talking about um, if you're talking about your plan and your pattern, if you oh, if you are talking about your plan and your pattern, and you're talking about having a um, set way of doing things, and you know this is the way I do it every time. Uh, that frees up your brain space. It's it's really weird. If you do things in a routine manner, then that means that when things get a little bit hectic, as long as your routine still works, you're not having to think about all the problems that are coming up because there are so many people. And other problems will come up when there are so many people. And when you have suddenly, you know, if you're used to having 10 people in your store and suddenly 40 show up, or if you're used to having 30 people in your store and suddenly 80 show up, uh, that's not a thing you might be used to dealing with. And you're going to run into challenges and problems that you wouldn't have expected. And that's everything from uh, how do I organize these people to how do I register things to uh, this is the third time somebody told me about the mess in the bathroom. Uh, and I keep telling the the store owner that but he's busy at the register so there's so we don't know what to do about that um and those unexpected things and i just pulled something out of thin air there but those unexpected things if you've got a routine down for how you handle things like registration then you actually have the bandwidth to handle those unexpected things when they come up yeah that uh, the, the 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 bandwidth is exactly what i was just going to like with i was thinking the whole time you were saying that was it, you are you are using less energy on other things to leave your brain available to solve your new exciting problems. Right. And the last thing you want to have happen is for you to have dealt with a bunch of these new and exciting problems to realize, okay, I dealt with all that crazy stuff that I didn't expect. Now it's time to start my event. What do you mean there are 80 people and nobody's registered anybody into Wizards Event Reporter? Uh... Because suddenly that's going to take some time. Because um, because now you you have a new exciting problem. Exactly. So that's why those those efficiency things are. Thank you for bearing with my tangent there. But that's that's why those efficient efficiency things are kind of important, even if it doesn't seem like it's super helpful for a small event. If it's not detrimental, it's good to get into the habit of it, so that you have that habit when you are um, when you're when you're slammed. Um, speaking of problems that can happen when you have more players than expected what's our what's our next number well our next number is six but it the the content of our next number is a uh, sitting down and evaluating the space you have available to you now for some people that may not be entirely in your control but if you if you look at the space that you have available in a store or the table layout and the way the tables are arranged means that between one row and another row, there's not really going to be able any, a way for the person in the middle to get out unless somebody, the whole row scoots down and it's just really mm -hmm. assessing the, the implications of having a lot of players in one space and how you have your tables and your space laid out. What I like to do in a situation where I'm judging in, a, in an, a space I've never judged in before. Um, like I go to a store for the first time and I'm judging there. 
is I like to walk to the places players are going to have to walk. I like to physically get up and go, I'm a player in this event. Round one is starting. What are the things I need to do? And actually walk and go, okay, well, I need to walk over here and look at these pairings. I need to walk over here and 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 find my seat. And now I need to get up and go to the bathroom. How do I get there? Can I can I do these things in the middle of the round? And it only takes a couple of minutes to to visualize, even if you're not physically doing it, to, to visualize what players are going to experience. Uh, and it really helps you evaluate your space. And I want to touch on one thing you mentioned earlier, which is sometimes players can't get up and leave uh, a table conveniently. And you don't always have control over that. If if an organizer's space is set up such that it's really tight, and especially if you have lots of players and you can't make it make it less tight, often there's a good section and a bad section. There's the like, the like, well, over here we've got, you know, more space and over here it's kind of the extra space we didn't intend to use, but there's not as much. Yep. Um, the, the best tip I have for you there is to make sure that that section that sucks for players to be in, if you have to use it, is the high table numbers. And by high, I mean, you know, table one is the low table number. Table a billion is the high table number. And the, the ones that... For- oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the the ones that will not always have people sitting there, you you mean? Exactly. As soon as people start to drop from your event a round or two into it, maybe they want to go home, maybe they're hungry, whatever. Uh, if people start to drop from your event, that means your event will shrink in size. And the area that will stop being used is the area that players can't, uh, can't sit in as easily. Now, if all your space is the same... Uh, and it doesn't really matter too much where people are sitting. The next consideration for that becomes where can people hear you make announcements? Mm-hmm. If there's a place where it's really hard for them to hear you, that should be the table numbers that are going to be abandoned earliest. Um, and there's a lot of considerations like that when you think about how do I want this set up? Sometimes it's not where do I want the tables physically, but it's where is the first table and the last table? Uh, where are those each going to be? Um and are there any breaks in those tables? And and if so, is it clear? And and so on. Yeah, I've I all of the stores that I've ever regularly pre-released at or hung out at have have been busy. And there is one local here that for a while their their pre-releases were people were having to come in and be told, oh no, we don't have any more room. And they're like, it's okay, we'll we'll sit on the floor. If if you are in a position where your players are volunteering to sit on the floor, perhaps evaluating if you're using your space efficiently is a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had, uh, I had players sitting on the floor once at a PTQ back in the day when we had big PTQs. Um, a, a store had rented out, not kidding, an abandoned bed, bath, and beyond for their PTQ. Oh my goodness! Uh, and it was just massive. There was way more space than we, we could have run a grand prix in this. Is, in this is, is space. that sadder or less sad than a non-abandoned bed, bath, and beyond? <laughs> oh, it's way sadder. Okay, it's way sadder uh, because in, in a non-abandoned bed, bath, and beyond, if somebody asks, if you ask where the the bathrooms are, somebody points and, and you go, okay, it's over there in that section, no big deal. And when there's a PTQ and you go where the bathrooms, you're like, they're like a mile that way through nothingness. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, um, but anyway, the the uh, this event was way more popular than the organizer expected, not the organizer's fault, and uh, and they didn't know what to do. Uh, and they said. Well, I'm just going to have to cut registration. I don't have enough tables and chairs. It wasn't space that we were missing. It was tables and chairs. Uh, and he looks at me and goes, oh, we're going to have to cut registration. And I'm like, all right, well, I can do that. But then I need you to go tell those people in line why they drove two hours to this event and can't play. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was like, he was like me. I'm like, well, you're the one making this decision. Right. Uh, and, and he was like, well, what do I do? I'm like, well, uh, I would recommend you go to Walmart and buy some tables because you'll spend less than they're spending on entry. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, he was like, oh, okay. And he did. He was actually a nice guy. He just wasn't thinking through. Like, he's actually a great TO, but he wasn't did- thinking through some of the repercussions of this because it was the first time he'd run into this problem. Right. And uh, and for the, so he did that, but we also wanted to get started. So for round one, we actually had like four matches where pe- people were playing on the floor. Oh, uh, goodness. In an abandoned Bed Bath & Beyond, which is just the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> uh, uh, not the weirdest ever, but it was, it was pretty weird. Are these people playing serious time magic or just hanging out at home? In in a vacuum, it's impossible to tell. I've definitely sat on my living room floor and played magic on the floor before. Oh, I have too, but I wouldn't want to do it for a uh, you know a PTQ for any sort of prize. No, right? Yeah, and this was this was modern, so people don't want to <laughs> put their like expensive cards on the floor and um, see. That's the true yeah. need for playmats. <laughs> you never know when you're going to have to play on the floor. I'm sorry. Um. All right. There's some other issues with space that we kind of touched on that we're going to get into a little bit later. Um, But why don't we go ahead and move on to the next one. Number five. Uh, So the now that you've you've determined what your space is, you. You have your players ready to go. You've got them all registered. You've got your product ready. You've got your event ready to go. And now you have opening announcements to give. And I know there are a lot of people who have fears surrounding opening announcements. I've been there. I understand. Um, And giving clear, concise opening announcements is something that can actually save you a lot of time and save your players a lot of time. By being concise, you, uh, one, physically are not spending more of their time talking um, by not over-explaining things they don't necessarily need to know, by not, if it's a new, if it's a pre-release, not going through all the new possible cards they might need to know about, but by giving useful information, um, you're saving yourself and your players some time later by not having to answer other questions later. Oh yeah. And and this is another area where routines really help. Um when I first started judging in an, a capacity where I had any announcements to give, uh I was really bad at it. And I had to practice. I actually went in front of a mirror and practiced the things I was going to say. Um but eventually I got to a point where I had kind of this like predetermined set of things I was going to say, and I didn't have to think about it as much. And then if I needed to add something in, it was easy to do. So you have a sort of a, a baseline of a script, what you want to say. Of, yeah. yeah. A script. A script. Um, I, like it's, it's, it's true for a lot of things I do in judging actually. Um, uh, people who watch me take a lot of judge calls at events will say you handle, you know, when you have this kind of call, you say a lot of the same things. It's like, well, yeah, it's just it's how I do it every time. Um, and that way I don't have to think about what I'm saying. And it actually frees me up to think about what's going on in the uh, game. I'm noticing a trend here, Jess. <laughs> in, in how you tackle problems. Uh, that I like efficiency so that I can deal with real problems? <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that is true. That is how I how I tend to think of, of problem solving in a, a magic event context is um, I I like to solve as many problems ahead of time as I can so that the problems I can't foresee, I can put as much of my uh, attention on as possible. That makes perfect sense. Um, um, well, no, I mean, I've, 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 I've done the other thing, too. I've done the really embarrassing, like, terrible announcements. Like, oh, yeah. my, my first, uh, my very first event that I was working as an employee for uh, Channel Fireball back when I used to work for them. Um, I got up and I was nervous and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I started making this announcement to this room full of players about this event. And uh, at the time, the store was called Superstars of Sports. And I got the word star stuck in my head. And I welcomed everybody to this Star City Games event. Oh, no. And I was mortified. Uh 
Yeah. A lot of people actually, a lot of the regulars thought I was just trolling Eric Levine, who who uh, I had just started working with at the time. Uh, but no, I was just <laughs> like, I, that was a complete accident. And I was so embarrassed. I wanted to cry. Um, but I got through it and I got better at it and things are, are better now. And that's that's like one of the more embarrassing things I could imagine doing with opening announcements. <laughs> right. No, it's, and as always, you are going to be more hypercritical of the things you say and than than any other person is going to be. Most of these players are are going to tune out after you talk for about twenty seconds. And so not wasting your time saying things they're not listening to, but getting your th- really important information out of the way early. They're 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 not really listening to you after a certain point anyway. Oh, that reminds me. There's a place where efficiency in, in announcements where efficiency is actually going to work against you. One thing that people like to do to be efficient is to try and hand out their packs as, uh, the product for sealed and draft events as fast as possible. And this will work against you when you're, when you're making your announcements, even though it seems like it's more efficient to do. There's a, a human psychological thing. As soon as you have given players something to <laughs> touch and mess with, they are no longer paying attention to what you have to say. So you've only got a couple of minutes of their attention when you're giving announcements, and you you cut that down a whole lot as soon as you start passing stuff out. So I like to wait until I'm done or almost done with those announcements before I ever start passing anything. Yeah, absolutely agree. Be- yeah, people the minute the minute they can start opening packs or fiddling with packs, they. It the it feels real. It feels tangible. You have a thing in your hands, and so it's time. And so nothing else matters. Right, right. It, all they care about is whether or not you said they can open stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, like in at the beginning of a, beginning of a draft, part of what I do with running drafts is I like to ask, "Is there anybody here that's never drafted before?" And uh, and then. You almost always somebody will raise their hand. You've got somebody new who's never done it. Um, and even if they don't, I like to give some background information. But usually if somebody raises their hand, I'll still address everybody and say, all right, I'd like everybody to listen up so that the people who have never done this before can hear me. And mm-hmm. I say that because those people will go immediately tune out if if they think this announcement's not for them. And they'll start talking to the person next to them. And nobody can hear anything. Yeah, then then there's just all this this murmuring around such that the per- people who really need it aren't going to be able to hear it. Yes, a cacophony of noise creating also- a, a terrible din. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Uh, I did, Well, it also, it also makes the people who need it feel less isolated. Yeah. Um... Because, oh, no one else is listening. I guess everyone else around me just knows what they're doing already. Uh, mm, mm, okay. Yeah, that sounds like a terrible feeling. Yep. Uh, all right. Are we, are we good with, with number five? I think we're good with number five. All right. On to number four. Which I think... This 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 may be one of my this may be up there with number one for me. Um, actually, having pairings and table numbers, like pairings posted somewhere with table numbers at smaller stores, um, a lot of people think that this is not really necessary. That you can just say, "Oh, Barbara, you're playing Joe." Or, or, oh, haha, you two are playing again. And there are a lot of reasons that that is not efficient. Um, one, because you're taking a bunch of time to shout out names and people are having to go find their friends and find a place to sit. And two, um, because if you are the, if you're at this store for the first time, and you don't know Joey who you're playing and everyone else seems to know each other that is that's just such a feel bad so 
having pairings in at least two places so you're not just funneling all of your players to the same location so two places mm-hmm. that are that are not near each other so some people can go to one some people can go to the other and they can sort of distribute a little bit more naturally that decreases the amount of time people are are spending waiting around leaning over their friends shoulders trying to look at pairings mm-hmm. and and makes you not have to shout out a bunch of names and w- both of the things that you just said um may sound to some people like oh it's not a big deal uh this is just how my store does it but this goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier uh which is expandability uh does the system you have work when suddenly you're you've got a full house uh if if you say oh we only ever have you know one or two pods for drafts so i just call out the the names uh that might work well when you've got uh, you know 8 to 10 people but when suddenly you have 40 uh that no that that system no longer works um but if you have a pairing system set up ahead of time not only is it good for you but it's good for the players all of your regulars will know where they need to go for pairings and they won't wonder why you're suddenly not announcing it and they're going to they're going to know where to go and everybody else is just going to follow them uh yeah it's it it becomes it's very it makes your event scalable right scalability that's what i was looking for thank you mm-hmm. um just like with that registration. Uh, one thing I've, I've noticed at a lot of stores, um, this isn't true for all stores, but I've noticed with a lot of stores, um, a significant portion, a shrinking portion, thankfully, but a significant portion of the magic community uh, spends time outside smoking between rounds. Um, and one thing you can do along with putting up pairings is to just stick your head out the door and say, hey, pairings are up for all of those people that are hanging out outside. Or if there's a window facing outside that they can see, you could just take a piece of tape and stick a set of pairings on there backwards so that all those people can see it. It will help you get your events started faster because everybody's going to get in their seat uh, sooner. They'll also not be mad at you like, I didn't know the round was starting. Right. Yeah. 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 I, did, I didn't know the round was starting. I didn't I didn't hear your announcement. Well, you weren't um, in the room. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is... Bob, this has happened six times today. <laughs> We've only yeah. had four rounds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't ask. <laughs> and and having the the table numbers as part of this, um, even if you are going to to start shouting out names. Having a table to tell them to go to so people aren't, you know, clamoring for the best seats and all trying to be like, oh, we're going to sit down here. Oh, no. Sammy already sat her sandwich down there. That alliteration was unintentional, but I'm really proud of it. The Sammy sandwich? Yeah. Um, Uh. So the saying, you know, Barbara and Joe, you're at table two, that if you are going to end up saying them out, loud at least giving people a place a home uh to go to saves time as well and just like with the announcements thing we mentioned earlier this is super helpful for new players to feel welcome because they can understand this process very easily and if your system is to just call out all right barbara plays joe and you know billy plays sammy uh you know where where all these people go is up to them uh, if you're announcing like that, then the first time you get to a new player's name, they're not going to know what to do. Uh, and it feels kind of alienating because everybody else knows what's going on. But if everybody else is just going to the table number, or if they're going to the pairings board and finding their name and then going to the table number, that's a thing that a new person can follow and feel like they're doing the right thing. And it makes them feel like they're they're involved and they're able to follow the lead and, and they maybe belong here. And that's exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want very, them to belong there. It's very easy to pick up on and, and doesn't require additional context for that specific environment to be able to figure out. All now, right. The last three things uh, we've done, we've done five so far. 
we did uh, prepping events ahead, or prepping product ahead of time, registration efficiency, evaluating your space, uh, concise announcements, and then uh, pairings and table numbers to go along with the space. Now, the last, the, all, all of those are kind of the like how to start your event and start your rounds. The last three are how to end your rounds and end your event. Um, and, uh, and actually I just thought of another one. So we may call this no, you know, top nine. Um, Ooh. so, <laughs> uh, so number three is, uh, about end, end of round procedure. And if you don't have a lot of familiarity with large events, you may not know that there even is something called the end of round procedure, but the end of round procedure is where, uh, at a Grand Prix, there's a whole team of people that their job is to go around and find uh, tables that are still playing and uh, figure out where there are match slips that that uh, aren't in yet and go to those tables and make sure that the, the judges are actually distributed evenly to all of the matches that are left. Now, that's a big process at a large event like a Grand Prix, but that process, a smaller version of it anyway can still and probably should still be done at a lot of smaller events. And you do this, uh, you start this by getting a, just a quick list of the matches that are still outstand, uh, outstanding, uh, still haven't come in right before your round ends. Now, if you've only got you know one draft pod, then you can do this by just looking out and being like, hmm, who's still playing? To yourself. Don't ask the table. <laughs> Don't uh, just wander out there and say, hmm, who's still playing? Who's still playing, guys? Who's anybody? Anybody still playing Magic? Well, hurry up. <laughs> uh, don't, don't do that. Uh, but just look around and see who's still playing. Uh, if somebody's still playing uh, or if somebody has a match slip that they haven't turned in yet, uh, but they're clearly done playing, they're just sitting talking, going and asking them for the match slip uh, can remind them to fill it out. And the number one reason to do that is that they actually might not be done playing yet. I've had it happen where I've gone to two players that were still playing Magic. I'm uh, sorry, that were, they were just sitting and talking and not playing Magic. And I said, oh, if you're done with that match slip, I can take it up for you. And they went, oh, no, no, we still got to go to game three. We were just talking about this other thing. And I'm like, well, we're on a timer no. still, so you guys should get started. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing you want to avoid. Um so yeah, just just like looking out and seeing, you know, maybe ten minutes left or a little less left, how many matches are still playing gives you an idea of, of what's going on, and you can go around and collect those match slips uh, that are finished that haven't been turned in yet. Um, is the event grows if you get to a certain size, and it de- the size depends on your what your space looks like, right? Um. So I can't give you an exact number of players, but as you get to a certain size, it may actually be helpful a few minutes out to just walk around the room with a piece of paper and write down, okay, and table 10 is still playing, table 22 is still playing, table 15 is still playing, so on and so forth. Uh, so you can sweep back around to those tables and you can make sure that they're playing at a reasonable pace. If they have questions, you can be there to answer them and so on and just that adds a little bit of efficiency. And when you add a little bit of efficiency every round at every tournament, it really adds up. You can also see who has time extensions, if at all. Yeah, so if like, that's oh. a thing. Yep. If that's a thing you have at your event, then uh, it's very important to know where those are. If you, if, you told, if you told Barbara she could go to the bathroom and she comes back and was like, I was, I was gone for three minutes. Can you give us three minutes? Okay, yes. But... Now you pop back around and your round is over and you're like, Barbara, why are you not in turns? Oh, you you gave us three minutes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I will note that you should give those three minutes whether they ask for it or not. Uh, if somebody goes to the restroom and comes back, you should track how much time there is there and, and give them the extra time. But at the same time, you need to track that extra time so that when you get to the end of the round, you don't suddenly have them going, oh, we need extra time because I went to the bathroom and it was like 10 exactly. minutes. And yep. you're like, it was not 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and 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 they're like, yes, it was. And now you have to have this argument, which is taking more time. And you, you don't know you how much no time to actually give them. You don't know and, how long I was in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I think this this is one of those another thing within this list that seems like it will not really add up, but boy does it. <laughs> it would it would not be a whole team at a Grand Prix if it were not important. Um anything else we want to say about that? I uh, know, I think we can move on to the next thing that is also connected to this. What's number two? Number two is um actually getting your slips, your match results entered um over the course of the round. Not saying, aha, I have all these match slips, all these match results to enter into Wizards Event Reporter at the very end of my round. And, well, the time is over. I have all my match slips. Oh, no, I I still need to enter these. And you can tell yourself, I'll just do them in a little bit. But something's going to happen. Something always happens at that very end of your round, because that's when, that's when things are happening. That's when players are up and about. That's when matches are ending. That's when things get a little bit more tense. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when a lot of your activity is going to be. So just getting, getting your match results entered during the round. So you're not swamped with having to enter them all after your round has ended and your players are all waiting around for their next round. If you have a if you have a scorekeeper or somebody else working at a a shop that can enter your results for you, that is awesome. But not everyone is in a in a scenario to be able to to do that. And also importantly, doing as many of those match slips ahead of time as you can frees you up to do the thing we just described, where you're walking around and making sure people are done playing. Um, so those things go hand in hand really nicely. Hmm. Uh, and so, uh go ahead. I was gonna say, since this one is kind of short, do you wanna do you wanna say what your what your number nine is? Yeah, all right. So so my, my number nine uh was so as I was going through all of these, I was like, oh there's there's one more, and that, that happens at the end of the event after after everything is done, is if you have prizes to distribute, think about how you're gonna do that before you actually get there. Uh, oh, so, you're, so you're not frantically trying to figure out how to give everyone their one pack or two packs or whatever or, at, as they're trying to leave. Right. Or or you don't end up with or or if you end up with a line of people trying to get their prizes, you have an efficient method of, of handling it. Now, what that method is, is going to depend on the prizes and the environment and how many people you have to do it and, and so on. But this is just another thing you could think about ahead of time and go, how am I going to do this? Now, if you if you work at a store regularly, like for FNM, you probably already have got a system in place. But I encourage you, encourage, encourage you, sorry, to uh to look at it objectively and to think about the prize distribution and everything else in the tournament. Uh, not just in a way of, well, we've always done it this way, but also why do we do it this way? Is there a better way to do this? Let me think about it. And you may come up with a better, more efficient or even friendlier and easier system. Yeah. Uh, And then that's, go ahead. That's a good number nine. (laughs) That brings us to the number one thing to, to actually improve uh, the pace and efficiency of your magic events and help everybody have a good time. What is number one? Number one is actually watching magic. Wait, what? <laughs> right? I've spent all this time talking about <laughs> logistics and setup <laughs> and tables and numbers and pairings and smokers, strangely. But like... <laughs> What is this watching magic thing you speak of? How am I going to have time to do that during all of these other things? Um, really, truly, watching your players play magic and, and sort of feeling out, oh, the, the, this match is a, a mirror where both players have a million creatures and it's a huge board stall and the game's going to go on forever. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is something I should keep an eye on. Or, oh, well, th- these people seem to be a little frustrated with each other. I should keep an eye out and make sure that nothing nothing 
comes to a head on that. Just paying attention to the games of Magic being played and your players is going to go a really long way into speeding up your event and and getting ahead of any issues before they happen. It's also going to help players who are new, uh, who may not know what's going on. If you're watching games of magic, you're going to see things come up where they might not call a judge, but they have a question. You're going to notice that. Uh, it also means that if you're available, if you're standing there watching games of magic, instead of hanging out by the counter, talking to whoever, if you're watching games of magic being played as a judge, players are going to know that's why you're there. They're actually going to be more likely to call a judge who is nearby watching a game of magic than they are a judge who is clearly busy doing something else. Yeah, you, if you are if you are standing behind a counter, there is a physical barrier between them and you, and you are, whether you intend it or not, you, you become less approachable to people who don't know any better. Right. You, they, they, uh, even if even if you say, "Oh yeah, don't be afraid to call for a judge when you have an issue," if you are behind the counter or talking to your buddy or not engaged with the tournament itself, that player is going to say, "Oh, they're they're busy. I don't need to interrupt them," and they're just going to keep playing magic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah this this just goes a a very long way toward having a bigger awareness of the 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 what exactly is going on with your event. Right. And it's also going to help you know you're going to notice mistakes that that nobody else notices when you're watching games of magic and be able to teach people things or stop people from making mistakes. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um and and I want to mention just kind of on the broader scope, something we maybe we should have started the episode with, but when you when you internalize these lessons or you get as much out of it as you can, you can teach the organizers you work with how to run efficient events. And this will help them not just for their magic events, but for whatever events they're running. Mm-hmm. And this is another way that judges add value to the events that organizers run. So if you are trying to talk to an organizer about hiring you for an event and they want to know, what value a judge adds, the efficiency... Why, why should I spend the money on that? Exactly. The efficiency you add to the event is one more thing judges add to the quality of an event, which adds to the quality of experience players have and saves time, frees up table space sooner, the majority of the time, for that owner. Uh, so there is that as well. It is important to remember that... Uh, that this isn't just about the convenience of getting done with your event sooner. It's also about the experience of the players and the value you're giving to the organizer, uh, to the person that runs the store, to the owner of the store, to really to everybody involved. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never once heard a player say, wow, that tournament was really fast. I wish it had taken longer. Right. Player Players are there to play magic, but they also have lives and other things they, they can do. And if you finish up early, you can go get dinner with your friends or, or you have more day left to, I don't know, maybe you can play in another event if it's a pre-release and there's, there's multiple events happening. Oh yeah. Especially if it's pre-release or, you know, if you're, if your, uh, store has, uh, some stores have running drafts where every time eight players sign up, they start a draft. Okay, well, that has an obvious benefit if you can run those events faster. Uh, mm-hmm. Because people will play in more events. Uh, so that's our that's our top eight or top nine, depending on where you're at. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. It's eight with a bonus prize. Ooh. Oh yeah, the, these listicles do have a have a tendency to have like a like an honorable mention or a secret bonus in them. Secret bonus, I like it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they do. It's like uh, you know, kind of a thanks for listening the whole time, I guess. <laughs> um, right. So I hope that uh, I hope that if you were listening, you uh, 
got something out of this that will help you run uh, more efficient or better events. As just a quick recap, we had uh, our, our honorable mention was organizing your prize distribution, but our top eight was prepping your product ahead of time, efficiency with registration, evaluating your space, uh, concise opening announcements, uh, using pairings and table numbers, uh, and along with that match slips, which we didn't mention, but we implied. Um, getting a list of remaining match slips uh, before the round ends. Uh, re- remaining matches, I should say. Uh, collecting slips over the course of the round and entering them before the round ends. And then actually watching games of magic throughout the course of your tournament, which you should be doing anyway. Uh as I hope that one of the reasons you got into judging was because you like watching games of magic. Somebody, somebody at some point asked me at, at a tournament if I, if I liked playing magic. And I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't be a judge if I didn't like watching playing magic. Yeah. But Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I just want to thank everybody who was listening for listening to this episode. Uh, like I said, I hope you got something out of it. If you did and you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or I guess they call it Apple Podcasts now, not iTunes. Sorry. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you can find our entire archive at uh, judgecast.com. Uh, you can email us, judgecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow us there. Ask us questions. Uh, and I'm, uh, I don't have anything else to add. I would just like to say that I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair. I'm Bergen King and I keep it fun. And I'm Brian Perlman and I keep hitting the mute button because I've been caught. <laughs> I like it. That, that's good. All right. I feel, I feel good about that.